Bears, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Now, here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people. You are in the place that everybody would like to be. You can't be there all the time, but most people get there if they really want to. It's Victory Lane. You know that by now. And before I go any further, I actually want to give a quick shout-out to some fans. Yeah, I have fans, apparently, because this weekend in Tucson, some people came up to me and told me that they listened to the show. Granted, I mean, like, I guess you can call friends fans, kind of. But shout-out to my guy, Diego Alvarado, Richard Petty Motorsports eSports driver. My guy, much love. Shout-out to Joseph Lombard. I don't know what your username is because it has a bunch of numbers and letters and stuff. Shout-out to my girl, Heather DeBoe, uh, NASCAR and NBC reporter for the K&M Pro Series. We got some fans out here, apparently, and we'll hear from him later. Not about this, but Jagger Jones says that he was going to listen, and he didn't, but I kind of called BS on that. But, hey, we'll have Jagger on later. We're also going to have Heather and Diego on at some point this year. That's not just lip service for you guys listening. Like, I promise I'm going to have them on. Um, so that'll be fun. I, I was honestly pretty honored and kind of floored that people actually listen because when I look at the analytics, I mean, frankly, they're not great. They're not as bad as they could be and how they once were, but they're not great. I mean, we're working on it, but, you know, grind don't stop. Hustle don't quit. All right, guys, we got action from Tucson this past weekend in Arizona, and we got to recap the action at Kansas Speedway as well. I, unfortunately, was not able to watch any of the racing at Kansas live, except for the overtime finish as we were raiding out a rain delay in Phoenix. Yeah, I know. Insane. Uh, but we'll get to that. All right. Go ahead, Daryl Waltrip. We got limited time with you, so finish her off. Buggity, buggity, buggity. Let's go racing, boys. Why did I say finish her off? I should have said start her off. Well, I'm not going to edit that out. Who cares? Port of Tucson, twin 100s at. Tucson Speedway. Before we get to the race, I need to tell you guys a story of what happened to me on Friday in the Phoenix area. Long story short, I fell down a mountain. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it was just like a dumb microcosm of my life in this two to three hour span. It was like so Davy of me. So I'll tell you guys what happened. So I-, I get up early in the morning on Friday, fly out of DC across the country to Phoenix, right? Uh, land around 9.30 a.m. local time, went to this joint called Matt's Big Breakfast, delicious food, had a great meal, took a tour of State Farm Stadium out in Glendale where the Arizona Cardinals play, that was pretty cool, and then I had a couple hours to kill before I was going to meet one of my friends from uh, a pie in school for happy hour for some drinks in Scottsdale, which is like right by Camelback Mountain, ironically, I didn't know that, but uh, logistically worked out well. So I'm like, you know what, let, let me go walk over to Camelback Mountain. I've heard some good things. Pictures look pretty cool. Uh, you know, maybe get a little workout in. Should be a nice, like, walk. You know, maybe there's a trail around the mountain that's, like, 45 minutes there and back. You know, should be fun, right? So I get there, and there's a sign that says, warning, this trail is, and then in all red, all caps, bolded, extremely dangerous. So I'm like, what the hell? Like, I thought this was a chill thing. And then there were signs that said, you know, 
don't forget to bring your water, bring your sunscreen, fully charged cell phone in case you get lost. I'm like, what the hell's going on? Like, I thought this was a chill thing. So I see a park ranger and I ask him, I'm like, hey, man, uh, how, how long do you think it'll take to get there and back uh, in total? I thought he was going to say around an hour. So he goes, oh, you know, if you do it right, probably around two, two and a half hours. Two and a half hours? What are you talking about? I Clearly, I'm just unprepared. Uh, I had no idea what this whole adventure was going to entail, but I'm there. Like, when's the next time I'm going to be in Phoenix able to climb Camelback Mountain? Uh, spoiler alert, the answer is November, but I didn't know that at the time because I wasn't thinking. So anyways, I wasn't even going to bring water on this hike, right? So I went back to my car, grabbed my water bottle, um, ironically, a Camelback water bottle on Camelback, and I brought it with me. So, And the most important part of the story, I'm wearing shoes you guys might be familiar with them. If they're not, pull out your Google machine and Google All Birds. That's A L L Birds. Super comfortable shoes. Not an endorsement, but if you'd like to sponsor me, All Birds, hit me up. Um, they're made of wool. They don't have any support on them, and they don't have any traction on the bottom of the shoes on the soles. And that's how they're designed, and that's fine. I wear them every single day. They're an unbelievable shoe for like a hundred bucks. I'd buy the whole inventory if I could afford it. So I'm wearing those shoes on this like pretty strenuous hike because I was clearly just unprepared, didn't know what I was getting into. Thankfully, I was wearing a dry fit t-shirt, which is nice. So I'll skip around a little bit. Like 15 seconds into the hike, I realize I am way out of shape, way underprepared, and I've made a big grave mistake, okay? But, you know, I'm not a quitter. I want to finish this thing out. So I ended up hiking up the entire mountain. It was about a mile, maybe a little over a mile up to the summit, which was about 2,700 feet in the air. It's insane. I tweeted some pictures on my Twitter at Davy Center. You can check them out um, and on my Instagram as well. But so I get to the top and at this point I'm soaking wet with sweat. I'm like panting. I'm like, oh, oh, my God. oh, thank God we made it. And it's super cool up there. The view is insane. I'm like, wow, so glad I did this. And I'm cooling off. I'm just like ripping off my shirt. Everybody's looking at me like I'm crazy. I just could not give a you-know-what at this point. So I'm there for like 10 or 15 minutes chilling. And then I say to myself, all right, let's time to go back down, you know, go on with our day. So I'm looking around, and I, I'm lost. I didn't know where I came up the mountain. Like, as dumb as that sounds, I just did not know. Like, I, I was looking, trying to retrace my steps. I couldn't figure out which path. And there weren't clearly marked paths, right? So I asked some people, I said, hey, wh- where do we come up the Echo Trail? And these guys were like, oh, dude, if you follow each either path down, it'll get you to the same place, bro. I was like, okay, whatever. So I followed them for legit five seconds. I was like, no, this is not right. The, clearly, I do not remember this. This is not the right path turning around. So I turned back around, went to the top, was like brainstorming, trying to think. I was like, where like, where did I come from? I don't, I don't get it. And then... I ended up asking a different uh, group of people who I walked up with, and then they said the same thing. So I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'll just follow them. Whatever. Probably not the right way, but I just want to get down at this point. So it's the same way. It's not the right way. Clearly not the right way, okay? Uh, I'm following these blue dots that are painted on the rocks on my way down, and the way down is like 10 times harder than going up. It's insane. And I'm following these people. Uh, and they were going pretty slow, which is cool. Like I was going slow too, but I wanted to speed it up a little bit. So I kid you not, guys. And I, the people that are probably listening, I've probably told you this story before. Um, but legit, I'm following them and I'm saying verbatim, quote, 
excuse me, I'm going to squeeze past you guys here. And as I say the word here, literally as I say here, I slip, fall straight on my backside, cut up my hands pretty bad. The the cuts are like somewhat healed at this point because it's uh, Wednesday and this happened on Friday. But fell straight on my butt, cut up my hands. They're like, oh, are you okay? I was like, yeah, no, I'm fine, totally fine. Meanwhile, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, you know not uh, FCC friendly here on podcast. I guess I could curse, but you, you can kind of guess what I was saying. And then I kept going and I'm like, God, that hurts so bad. And I'm out of water at this point. So I try to like get little itty bitty droplets to like wash out the dirt and the dust from my cut. That's just like bleeding. And I'm like, God, my life is just a, such a joke. So I'm, I keep going. I ended up falling down one more time and twisted my ankle probably like four or five times and halfway down the mountain, I'm thinking to myself, there's no shot, and I mean zero chance that my car is going to be at the bottom of this mountain because I'm just going down the wrong way. Like, I did not come this way. So long story short, you know, and I, I keep saying that as a story is, I don't know, probably, what, seven minutes long by now? Uh, I get to the bottom, and sure enough, there's no parking lot. There's no cars. There's one house in the distance. There's nobody to be seen. So I'm like, oh. God damn it. Like, are you kidding? So I pull out my phone and I GPS my way to the parking lot where I started. Hour and a half walk. Three and a half miles away. This is why I say my life is a joke. So at this point, I just summited a 2,700-foot mountain. I sweated my balls off. Uh, I cut my hands open. I twisted my ankle. I'm so tired. I'm sick and tired of this damn mountain. So, yeah, I called an Uber to the other side of the mountain. Hashtag 21st century problems. But I was not going to walk an hour and a half and three more miles, okay? Wasn't happening. So I was telling my Uber driver about that. He was kind of laughing. Told the park rangers when I got back about it while they were getting me some Band-Aids. And this is what they say. They're like, oh, yeah, that actually happens a good amount. They put some damn signs up at the top of the mountain. Like, if, if this happens more than once, you should probably put a sign that says, Echo Trail, going back down this way, or whatever the other trail was, going back down this way. Put some signage up there so people don't fall down, so people don't get lost, so you don't have to spend $9 on an Uber to go to the other side of the mountain, and you don't get frustrated, and now you're talking about it to nobody in your living room on a damn podcast about NASCAR. Ever think of that, National Park Service? I digress. I told you that was so Davey of me. It was my my life is a joke. All right, race time. Hope you enjoyed that story. Not one, but two races took place in the desert this past weekend. So look, I, another thing that makes my life a joke. I'm ready to go. Let's do it. No rain. We're in the desert in Tucson, Arizona. Like, honestly, for real, for real, we are in the desert. It is, does not rain in the desert. It rained in South Boston. That was in Virginia. I'm all the way on the other side of the country. It's not going to happen. And then, of course, as I'm doing the autograph session on the Instagram Live, it pours in the freaking desert for two hours. So damn frustrating. Like, are you kidding me? But, look, it cleared, the track dried, and we raced. Derek Krause, man, oh, man. He won both races, and he dominated them. Absolutely killed the field. I caught up with him after, and... Tried to make some punny jokes, but they fell flat. Oh, well, Derek just, Derek loves me. I, I know that he does. He just makes fun of me so much. But wins three and four of the season for the number 16 of Bill McAnally Racing, but only his first and second wins out on the West Coast in the K&M Pro Series West, which he is declared running the championship for right now this season. 
Look, guys, the kid is good. He's got a lot of talent. Twice as nice, Derek Krause, two-time winner at Tucson. You like that pun, huh? You're smiling is with your little pun? braces. Is that a pun? Yeah, twice as nice at Tucson. You don't like that? I don't know. I guess I thought it'd be more rhyming. Sorry. Well, you me... do a little better than that. All right, I'll just ask you about your race then since that joke fell flat. How'd you do it a second time? Uh, yeah, that was, a, that was good. We did it twice in one night. That was the goal coming into this race. Now we got the, the points lead going into the next Canon West race. So that was really good, and we'll just stay consistent through the rest of the season. How was the track different in the second race than the first one? Because the first one, it seemed like people were pretty much railroading around the bottom. Second one, there seemed to be a little more action towards mid-pack. Um, personally, for me, there wasn't really a lot different. I just, uh, like you said, there was a lot more people that were way more aggressive. Just with the with the format that they have of second the, starting the second race of your fastest lap in the first one it's you get the you get the people that were didn't qualify so well but they ran a good lap in that first race starting up front and like you saw the 7 and 10 car they took off right away and by lap 50 they were their tires were gone they, they melted to the ground so we just had to stay patient throughout the race and we knew there was going to be yellow and there was multiple at the end so we just stayed patient and we paid off at the end all right i want you to brag on yourself a little bit here tell me if i'm wrong though so i i've been watching you race canine since 2017 I think this is the best I've seen you race, and I think this is probably the most confident you've been. Am I wrong on that? Uh, yeah, I'd say I, I feel like i got a really good team behind me, yeah. and they're really, really supportive, so I feel confident going into every single race that we're going to have a good car and we're going to be able to compete up front. And to be honest with you, qualified second, I was, I was disappointed. I mean, I always want to be – you always want to be on top. So uh, it was a good night overall. We won both, both the races and got the points lead, so we'll just have to stay consistent through the rest of the year. Twins in Tucson. Twins in Tucson. <laughs> Tanner Gray finished P2 to Derek in both of the races. And uh, I'm actually proud of my nickname for him. It's LT Gray because Tanner Gray, you know, T Gray. I ah, see what I did there. I feel like LT Gray is becoming the Chase Elliott of the K&M Pro Series. The dude is so hard on himself. He's like that, oh, man, I just hate it for my guys type interview after the races. But he has been so, so solid. I mean, I talk about it here with him as we caught up outside of his car after his podium finish in the second race. I mean, for a guy that comes from drag racing uh, and only has a handful of starts under his belt and already a win at South Boston, there's nothing to hang your head about. A pair of second-place finishes in Tucson tonight for Tanner Gray. I know you're disappointed. Take me through your race in the second one tonight. Uh, I mean, it's just hectic, I guess. You know, I, it spread out more than I thought it was going to the first race. Um, I felt it was pretty much single file, like right there around the middle. And um, I felt like the bottom came in. Um, I still wasn't good enough to run the top, but I felt like guys could get up there and run at least for a couple laps. Um, but all in all, it was a good good weekend for us. Um, you know, it's just had to use it up too much you know coming from from the mid-pack like that I guess and then everybody's going three and four wide and it's just tough but um, you know we were a little too tight in the first race and just overcompensated there and, and a little on the free side so um, you know we got good notes and next time we come back we'll, we'll know what not to do uh, but all in all it was a good weekend and you know, I can't thank everybody from DJ Crosley enough for uh bringing me out here and uh, bringing a fast race car so um you know congratulations to Derek and them that's really cool they uh want to rail this weekend and uh yeah 
it seemed like around the midpoint of the race, around lap 50 or so, when Dustin Ash started to fall back, that's when things kind of got crazy around the second, third, fourth, fifth place. And you were right in the middle of it. How crazy was it from the driver's seat? Yeah, it was, it was definitely it was a lot more action than the first race, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, I could see it too. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's good. I mean, it, this place is pretty wide, so it's not too bad. And you have enough room. Um, you know, it's not like everybody's – I mean, it's tight, but it's not like everybody's crammed and, like, banging off each other. You know what I mean? Like, you still have room to – kind of race and move around and that's what was cool about this place is you know it definitely was a lot more racy than i um expected it to be uh, you know with the, with the bottom coming in like that i felt like i mean I, I felt like i was probably one of the only ones to be able to to run the very bottom like that um you know i feel like i saw Derek try it a few times and just couldn't make it work but um yeah definitely crazy and a lot of fun to be behind the wheel experience for you especially in these big body can and stock cars is always invaluable and you've ran a handful of west races along with your east schedule how much momentum do these back-to-back second place finishes although disappointing i know that you want to get it done for your team how much momentum does this give you going into memphis it gives a, a lot of confidence for me anyway and um you know they they have awesome setups and notes for pretty much everywhere we go we, we generally unload pretty close and that's making the transition a lot easier on me um, just being able to unload and know that I'm going to have a fast race car under me and, uh, you know, I solely get to focus on, you know, the racetrack and, and what I need to do better. Um, so that's definitely made it a lot easier. And, uh, you know, for me, I've had to win a fourth in two seconds the last four races. It's not too shabby for a drag racer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, I'm happy with it. And like I said, I, I, it's a big confidence booster for me and I think everybody at DGR. Um, so... You know, hopefully we can go back to the east and, and have some continue some good runs and uh, you know inch our way into the points a little bit more. Um, but yeah, all in all, a good weekend. Nice run. Thanks. And probably the driver that impressed me the most throughout those two 100 lap races was Brittany Zamora. She had a career evening and a night of first in the number 99 Enios Camry for Bill McAnally Racing. First time on the podium. First time having a career best finish of third. First time leading laps in a race. Believe she led 23 or 26 laps in the second race because she started on the pole for the first time in her career and she got the pole by virtue of setting the fastest lap in the first race. And she brings it home with a pair of top five finishes. Fourth place in the first race, third place in the second race. Confidence is on the rise for Brittany Zamora. I should tell you about it all right here. Brittany Zamora comes home a career best third place. And we were just talking. It was a night of first for you. First time starting on the pole. First time leading some laps in the K&N series, and you come home with a career best finish on the podium. First time there as well. Pretty yeah. solid night. Yeah, it is a pretty solid night. Um, yesterday, we really struggled in practice. So, uh, you know, try to keep our heads high, but we weren't sure, like, a podium was actually realistic. Um, we worked so hard on the car. We thrashed on it. My crew did. Uh, they they got it ready for me today, and it's just been on fire ever since then. And so, um, got a top five in the first race. Um and then that was good, but we knew, we knew we needed to work on it. We knew how we had better potential than that. And so went and made some changes. And, I mean, we, we led some laps, fell back to second, got the lead again. And then from there, it's just hard racing. Uh, props to Derek for sweeping both races and uh, fun racing with Tanner and just good, clean racing out there. Yeah, I'm looking at your right front fender. It's got a little damage right there. This race was not easy for anybody. It exactly. seemed like you guys were getting pretty physical, especially in the second, third, and fourth positions. How physical was it out there? Yeah, they were, they were beating and banging. Uh, we're racing, some of them were racing lap 50 like it was for the checkers. So <laughs> it gets pretty intense out there. But, um, 
you, you can't let them you can't let them do that to you you know you got to give it right back or you got to just drive away from them and so that's exactly what we ju- we did out there and so paid off got our first podium of the season first K&N podium so we're heading in the right direction hope we can keep it up you're no stranger to winning and leading laps, but what was it like to lead laps here in this k and car and be at the front of the field? Was that a different feeling for you? No, it, it felt really good. Uh, it was kind of a get that monkey off my back, yeah. you know. Um, we, we've been progressing this whole season, but it's we haven't gotten the results that like our that our team should be getting, you know. With the work we put in, um, we have good runs. We just haven't been able to finish, like, get those results. And so um, to be able to run up front like that uh, against the competition that's out here is pretty stout cars. Um, competitors and to be able to do that just showed that like we're here for a reason and we're, we're going to keep on fighting and momentum is huge in racing you know that better yeah. than anybody else what kind of momentum does this give you and the team going into Colorado yeah it gives us definitely a big confidence booster you know kind of like I said the results weren't weren't what we were hoping for in the past races and so now now we know we can lead races we can be one of the fastest cars out there we can compete for podiums now now I hope people are Say, oh God, Brittany's coming to the track. Watch out for her because she's going to be one to contend for, to contend for the win. So um, hopefully we can have just as good as luck and even better in Colorado. Great run tonight. Thank you. I tease it at the top of the show. Jagger Jones may or may not be listening right now. I would lean towards no. He had two solid races as well. A fourth place finish and a sixth place finish. And four races into his career driving full-bodied stock cars. That sixth place finish? That's his worst finish of his career so far. I know it's a small sample size, and he's in really good equipment, but the kid can drive too. Jagger Jones brings it home sixth in twin race number two at Tucson. Eventful night for you, I think would be safe to say. How did you see it from your perspective? Yeah, we just fell back a little bit at the start, and then when you're just racing back there with some squirrels, and it it gets a little nuts back there. So I like the pun, squirrel gets nuts. And then, so we got caught up when uh, the seven car was spinning and had to go to the back of the field. And then we almost ran into the 19 when she was spinning. We barely missed that one again. So then we were about, I think, 13th or so. And then we drove back up to six. So not what we wanted, but decent rebound. Yeah, so, I mean, coming off of one race, the Nora 1000, which is a different beast in and of itself, and then coming here to not run one race, but two, how different was that from anything you've done before? Yeah, the, sec- the first race was I was up front. Um, it's always usually a little bit calmer up there. Um, so we kind of didn't have too much issues. But that second race, once you get back there a little bit, it's, it's complete chaos, um, especially with some of the cars uh, just, just trying to make it back up to the front with problems they had early. So it's eventful. I like definitely like being up at the front more. So we'll hope to, to be up there in Colorado. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Colorado. So, I mean, obviously not not the win that you guys were looking for coming in, but momentum-wise, you're, you're in the thick of it now in the K&M Pro Series West season. You're a rookie. How do you feel about your chances to do better there, and how do you feel overall how the season has gone so far for you? Yeah, I mean, I think the, be- the best thing we can do, what, whatever the results happen, but it's just to keep learning. And I think we definitely learned a lot. I uh, got some more notes, so um, I definitely learned a lot uh, more with the car. So just take what uh, we learned to Colorado and just apply it there and see what we can do. Trevor Huddleston sits second in the K&M Pro Series West Point standings with a win already at Irwindale. He wants a little more out of his number nine crew, but he was overall pretty happy with its performance at Tucson Speedway. Take a listen to what Trevor had to say following his run. 
Trevor Huddleston. By the way, I like these matching shoes to your uh, your whole outfit here. Got to gotta fit in, you know? Blue yeah. checkers, blue yeah. wind, blue car. Let's I like it. it. I like it. So we were talking off mic. You said that a uh, fourth place finish here in twin race number two is less than ideal. Um, it was a pretty eventful race for a lot of people. Kind of handicap how it went for you for me. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we got a bad starting position because uh, your, your starting position was determined off your lap in the first race. Um, didn't really ever get a good lap in in the first race so it kind of set us up in a bad spot from the beginning um but like you said it was it was a battle we had some issues with radios but uh we kind of overcame it and uh i guess you could say fourth with the issues we had was pretty solid um you know i think we're still sitting second in points so we just got to look forward to the rest of the season and put this one behind us yeah how are you feeling about colorado Oh, really looking forward to Colorado. I mean, we ran really great there last year. Uh, Sunrise ran one, two, three. So um, I think we're going to be pretty dominant. Uh, we found some stuff on the car this this weekend that we're going to apply. Um, I think it was a rough weekend for the nine car, but um, don't count us out yet. I think we're going to be more than solid the rest of the year. No question about it. Haley Deegan was digging in the first race. She had a good first race, podium finish just nipped Jagger Jones at the start finish line for third but the second one she had a multitude of issues uh the, the most glaring one coming late with Trevor Huddleston uh they had some contact uh late in the race she ended up spinning out in turn two had a left rear tire flat limped it back behind the wall to pit road repaired that tire but she didn't have the speed and she was a couple laps down so she wound up coming home in 15th place Plus, she's not going to have Kevin Reed Jr., her crew chief that she's had a lot of success with, working with her for the rest of the year as he was penalized following Bristol. So she has a new crew chief working with her. And this is the first time that, as she says right here, they were kind of under the pressure and the microscope of racing for points in the K&M Pro Series West. So that's going to take some growing pains as well. Haley Deegan comes home uh, disappointing 15th in race number two. 15th? Ooh, yeah. sounds rough. <laughs> uh, it doesn't sound good. Uh, you didn't have a great night, but uh, you were running up front until you had a little incident with the nine of Trevor Huddleston. What happened going into turn one? Yeah, I think our car got a little bit better. We had a better car. Um, we were in third, and I made a nice move. I had this nice line going in one where I'd not really open it up a ton. I'd say probably open up to like lane two and shoot to the bottom. And the more the 99 from me got not a great start. We got passed on the outside. So I was like, I was right on her. And I probably stayed like a tire out wider than her. And I was shooting to the bottom. As soon as I was about to shoot to the bottom, I got rear quartered. Which, like, I would have got it if he was, like, to my door. But, like, he was straight, like, ripe. Like, just quartered me pretty bad and just cleaned me out. Which, I get it, like, we're racing hard out there. But we almost ran four wide on, like, what? quarter mile track this track's tiny like how big is this track 0.375 miles yeah, whatever yeah. the math okay, is okay so like on the third mile track bigger yeah yeah we almost ran four wide on third mile track like 15 laps perfectly clean we can't make a restart so like take for tech that's how it is like you get me i'll get you right back <laughs> so obviously like i mentioned not the run that you wanted but how much confidence do you take into colorado knowing that you guys did run up front and you did adjust on the the car throughout the race weekend when it didn't originally start as well as you wanted it to yeah i'd say we still got some work to do i'd say we got we're having a new crew kind of working it out first race kind of our first west race together back in the points kind of under all the pressure um we have a little work to do but i think we're not far off here was my head scratcher for the weekend. Cody Vanderwall. I thought that, I, mean, I didn't think he was going to win, to be honest, but I thought that he was going to contend in the top five, heck, like top 10 easily, especially with the car counts these days in the series. 
top 10 for Cody at Tucson, a track that he knows so well, that should be easily attainable. He's the defending winner of both races, but he didn't finish in the top 10 in either race. I mean, that is a hugely, hugely disappointing run for Cody. And I caught up with him after. He was kind of at a loss for words. Cody Vanderwall comes home 12th in the second Twin 100. We talked before the race. You said that you didn't really think that this track was going to be indicative of last year's success for you, and that kind of came to be evident. What were the struggles tonight for you? Oh, race one, we had all kinds of issues. We had something wrong with our right front tire, and I was like three seconds off the pace. It was just not good. And race two, we thought we were better. I drove up to second right away, and then it just... It got so loose I could hardly hold on to the thing. and So we came in to try and make an adjustment, and um, somehow we ended up going two laps down. I don't, don't really know how, but said from there we just couldn't really go forward. I don't know. It's pretty frustrating. but That wraps things up with my coverage from Tucson Speedway out in Tucson, Arizona, a little .375-mile short track. Nice facility. Um, you know, it has its jokes. It can be the butt of a lot of jokes. Just check uh, Diego Alvarado's Instagram post with me and him, Captain Morgan, at it on a toilet, and uh, I think you get what I mean. Let's talk about the Digital Ally 400 at Kansas Speedway. Like I mentioned as well, I, I unfortunately was not able to watch this race live. I did see a plethora of highlights, but from everything that I've seen, everybody that I've talked to, this is possibly the best race of the season overall racing wise Talladega was up there Daytona was up there Texas was solid but from start to finish flag to flag nighttime was the right time and I actually said last week on this podcast that the nighttime actually might not be good for this package because the racing in the evening usually makes it worse but this weekend mm -mm, not the case completely flipped on its head did a 180 and Brad Keselowski winds up holding off Eric Jones the two Michigan boys in an overtime finish to win for the third time this season and the 30th time of his career. And that obviously keeps the Joe Gibbs Racing and Penske dominance alive and well. Besides Chase Elliott's win at Talladega a couple weeks back, every race this season has been won by a JGR or a Team Penske car. Pretty, pretty dominant, if I do say so myself. Let's hear from Brad. What do you say? He wound up passing hella cars on one of those final restarts. It was pretty crazy inside the seat. Yeah, I was pretty cool <laughs> um but no i think paul and the team they made some great adjustments to the car i i was struggling a little bit before that and with about 100 laps to go roughly the, the car really started to come together uh before that i felt like i was kind of hanging on in that 10th to 15th place range and uh we just worked on the car or the team worked on the car i sat in the driver's seat and watched um but uh they got it dialed in where it needed to be and, and then i was able to be aggressive and make moves uh, so uh, kudos to them whether you like it or not, party people, this package is here to stay. Or so we think. <laughs> uh, I mean, we're a third of the way through the season. I feel like NASCAR changing it at this point would be, uh, I would kind of throw you-know-what at the fan, and I think that would not be good for anybody involved. Um, but I thought that it would be plate-like at some places. It hasn't been that way, but Brad Keselowski is very, very good on restrictor plate races, even though we don't have those anymore. They're tapered spacer races, but he's the best at racing in packs like Daytona and Talladega, and he spoke on that when asked about it with this package. It's hard to say where it'll go, but you know, I, I feel like the season breaks down into thirds, and maybe I'm repeating myself to, to some of the people in the room, but uh, 
you know, you have your first third, your second third, and then, of course, the, the final part with the playoffs. And uh, with that in mind, Kansas is kind of like, to me, a break point between the end of the first third of the season and the beginning of the, the middle, middle stretch. And uh, I think we really see uh, kind of things kind of settle out by then. You know, the West Coast swing at the start of the season, there's a lot of comes and goes and trying to understand the rules and the new uh, and all the engineering behind it uh, is a little bit tough. But uh, when we get to this part of the season, I think uh, you really have to shine because this is what you've got. Um, so it's nice to be able to win uh, right right here today. And, and, of course, it's always nice to win. But uh, in light of, of those thoughts uh, or beliefs, I guess, uh, it, it's a good sign for us for sure. Crew Chief Paul Wolf. I'm not sure if he still has his braces, but if he does, braces and all. He calls the shots per usual atop the pit box, and he admitted that this was not an easy one by any means. Uh, it was a tough night. I mean, we were we were off quite a bit to start the race, and um, I think to Brad's point, you know, we're, we're far enough along in the season now where it seems like a lot of guys are starting to figure out where they want to be. You know, we, we won some races early in the season, and I think the, the mile and a half early in the year, we were pretty strong. I think all the Penske cars were, but... You know, now you look and the Stuart Haas cars and the Hendrick cars are really strong. So um, it's a lot. None of these races are easy to win by any means, but um, it's tough right now. Tonight was a tough night, and um, you weren't going to get away with a car that was off a little bit. And that's where we were at the start of the race. Um, our balance wasn't right. We couldn't keep the throttle down. And um, we worked hard. It, it took a while. The car wasn't responding uh, early on. And um, like Brad said, I think after the uh, second stage or the final 100 laps, we finally got it tight enough um, where we were able to put some good laps together. And then, and then it's just working the draft and all those things on the restarts, which we were able to do really well at the end. Obviously, I was not at the racetrack in Kansas this weekend, so unfortunately I don't have any other audio to give you guys from the cup race, but we can run through the storylines. None bigger than Alex Bowman. Bowman the showman, baby. Comes home second place for the third straight race. Is a win coming? I don't know. Let me know. Tweet me at Davy Center. Give me your thoughts on that. Fun fact about him, too. He's the first driver in NASCAR Cup Series history to have three straight runner-up finishes without a win under his belt yet. Not a club that you'd like to be a part of, for sure, but his win's coming. I'm telling you, he's actually really, really impressed me with the speed that he's had in his number 88 and also for chase three top fives in a row for driver number nine i'm watching you hendrick i'm watching you eric jones p3 he thought brad keselowski jumped the overtime restart uh but he also blocked clint boyer pretty bad who came home fifth the number 14 driver actually confronted eric on pit road it was good stuff though um and i mean he threw a big big block but i'm cool with it a lot of people are saying, oh, Boyer should have wrecked him. Yeah, probably should have. And Jones would have been warranted. Like, you're blocking. It's, But I see why Clint's mad, and he should be. But also, I mean, I'm Team Eric here. Like, it's the last lap. You're fighting for all you can get. Momentum is so important in this sport uh, at these tracks with this package. So you got to keep it up if you can. So I'm cool with blocking. Um, you know, especially on the last lap in overtime, you got to do what you got to do. You got Kurt Busch, Kyle Larson, Tyler Reddick. And Chris Busher, ninth and 10th place finishes respectively for them. What? I literally wrote, huh, WTF in my notes like that. I feel like that's just how weird and crazy of a race this was. And notice, notice, noticeably missing. God, I can't say that word. 
noticeably missing, thank you, from the top 10 were some big names. So you had Kevin Harvick in 13th place when the checkered flag flew. He won stage one, and he seemed to be pretty much the dominant car, but he actually had a windshield tear-off, get stuck to his grill, and pitted with a flat tire, or so he thought, and then the handling just went to crap after that, so he could not recover. Joey Logano got caught, trapped a lap down, finishing 15th place. Denny Hamlin spun out, brought out a caution, also knocked in a crush panel again, uh, finished 16th, but I think he's good in terms of carbon monoxide poisoning. Martin Truex Jr., 19th place, uncharacteristic day from him. And Kyle Busch, interesting day for him. 30th place finish. Um, he ended up getting a tire rub after he was working his way through the field, after he got a penalty for driving through too many pit boxes. But you know what that means? Not a 10th place finish. The streak is over at 11. So Morgan Shepard, you can breathe a sigh of relief on your rollerblades, my friend, because you now share the streak with Kyle Busch. So people are saying, oh, the streak's over. That's so sad. The big thing here is that his beard is going to be shaved when we see him uh, this upcoming week at Charlotte for the All-Star Race. That is what I think the big news is here. Uh, Ryan Blaney finishing 32nd. He had uh, uh, hit the wall a little bit coming off of turn four and shredded debris all over. He still hasn't finished a race this year on a mile-and-a-half track on the lead lap. That's a big oof, if you ask me. But, look, I'm glad it was a good show. Um, There was one restart where the guys were four wide and three wide for a lap or two in a row. That's big love. We love that. That's all love reacts. So everybody that was out there at Kansas, I hope you got your money's worth. Seems like you did. And everybody watching at home on their couches, drinking their bush beer, uh, being their millennials, eating their avocado toast. I hope you enjoyed it too. And I say that because I wrote Fire on Friday's column for Front Stretch this week. It's coming out Friday morning, so you might not be listening to this by the time it's out, but you can keep a lookout on my Twitter and Facebook. I wrote a column this week uh, basically saying, if you don't like Kevin Harvick's millennial car, I feel bad for you because the whole thing is just fun and it's jovial and it's jokester. So that's why. I'm not endorsed by Bush. I would like to be, though. Uh, Also, avocados, if you want to send me a check in the mail, uh, I'll be waiting for that. But uh, thank you very much. Appreciate that. No driver interview this week. We'll save that for possibly next week and hopefully when I get to the racetrack uh, next time, whether that's a K&N race in Memphis and Colorado or a cup weekend somewhere, I'll be able to get you guys some exclusive audio, some one-on-one interviews with drivers. But let's look ahead to the all-star race. The all-star race at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Four segments of 30, 20, 20, and 15 laps. 19 drivers are going to be participating So here's the eligibility. If you won a race last season, you're in. If you've won a race this season, you're in. If you've won an all-star race before and you're competing full-time in the series right now, you're grandfathered in. So that means if you're part-time, like let's say Mark Martin, I think he won an all-star race. Let's use somebody else as an example. Um, Carl Edwards. So let's say Carl Edwards ran a part-time schedule in Cup this year and has run at Texas and Daytona. He cannot participate because he's not full-time. Uh, But Kevin Harvick, for example, even though, let's say he didn't win last season or this season, he won the All-Star race twice, including last year, so he would be able to participate. If you're a cup champion and you're running full-time in the series, you can compete. Um, And also, there's a preliminary race called the Monster Energy Open, which has three stages. If you win a stage in that race, you're in. There's also a fan vote that the fans vote on. Crazy how that works. If you win that, you're in. So that makes up the 19-driver field for the All-Star race battling for, cue the Austin Powers music, 
$1 million. And the Open, that's a 50-lapper split up into three stages, 20, 20, and 10. Like I mentioned, there's a million dollars on the line. Kevin Harvick won it last year. Uh, and here's where it gets a little interesting, folks. So last year in this race, the new package for 2019 was run in this race last year. And everybody was raving about it. They were saying, oh, my God, this is amazing. So this season, we're having something similar occur. It's still going to be 550 horsepower. You're still going to have the aero ducks, but there's some new stuff in the works for this week. So I, I, I dragged this off of the NASCAR.com website because I don't want to get it wrong. A single-piece carbon fiber splitter that will provide more stable aero platform and create a more consistent performance in traffic. Translation, you're going to have a carbon fiber splitter that's not going to, that's probably, hopefully, not going to be able to drive into the racetrack when you're sliding through the grass and might be able to handle a little bit better and you're not going to be glued to the racetrack. A radiator duct which exits through the hood and not into the engine compartment, which will create improved aerodynamic parity and reduce engine temperatures. Okay. Guess whatever that means. The big thing here, though, guys. Gen 7. The Gen 7 car is coming not next year, but most likely the year after in 2021, when we might also see a huge reshuffling of the schedule. These changes could possibly be in implemented in the Gen 7 era when 2021 rolls around. So if you're watching this race and you're going to like what you see, you might as well stick around until 2021 because there's a good chance, not confirmed and not great, but a good chance that you'll see what you'll see this weekend in two years' time in 2021. This is for you, Diego. Lug nuts of the week! Cue the music. Ross the Boss Chastain, the Watermelon Man, wins the truck race for Nice Motorsports. Yeah, Nice. For the first time in his career, he's a winner in the truck series. Again, I'm so mad I was not able to watch this race, but it sounded wild crazy he was battling with Stuart Friesen and this might be one of the most popular wins of the season <laughs> oh it, excitement tears I choked up in part of the interview out there in victory lane um blew the tires out on it doing my burnout did a little better this time than last time so yeah um man this stuff is so hard to do like we all know it but until you go through it um, and, and just, I mean, it's just, it's what American or sports in the world is all about, like comebacks and, and underdogs. And I've been called an underdog my whole career and I'm tired of that. Uh, I get so sick of hearing that. I, I know they mean well when they say it, but man, um, I just want to win. Um, uh, and that's why I race everything I can. And this is, uh, <laughs> this is so awesome. His team owner at Nice Motorsports, Al Nice wins as an owner for the first time in the truck series and get this. He wanted to race. He kind of told a quick story about why he named the team how it is, what he was going to name it, and his aspirations for getting into this whole venture in the first place. It's a crazy, crazy story for Nice Motorsports. I'm really fortunate that uh, Cody and I hooked up three years ago, and it was just uh, I wanted to try to get my license back and, and, and drive as a 74-year-old man, fat old man. Did you catch that? He wanted to drive in the truck series. That was his reason for getting in here. In fact, little story, the first truck and engine I bought, I was gonna form the team and I thought I'd form it, call it IR Racing because I took the money out of my IRA to buy everything. So, uh, and then Cody said, we need a little bit more and we need a little bit more and we need a little bit more and, <laughs> Cody just kept improving the program every year, and uh, 
We ran against Ross. I think the first time we ran against Ross was in Atlanta two years ago. And we thought we had some pretty good stuff. And I know what Ross was in was uh, not quite as good as what we had. And he ran away from us. I said, We've got to get this guy because uh, we might not be able to have everybody else's, uh, the equipment that other people have. But when you have a crew chief and a driver that can put it all together, you can overcome a lot. And, and we have. And it's, it's, it's a team effort. The guys in the shops, I mean, we really, last year at the end of the season, we cut back to almost nothing and really had to scrape and, and get it all back together. And Ross said he was going to go ahead and drive for us this year. And, and fine, we hung our hat on that. Cody brought Phil in. And I mean, I, I can't even tell you the name of all the guys we have at the shop and gals. Emily's in there and Michelle. I mean, we've got some really, really dedicated people. And uh, we're not paying them what we should, but we're, we're making it go with the budget we have. And uh, we can do an awful lot with big heart and effort. Martin Truex Jr.'s Darlington throwback is his 2004 Xfinity Series title ride. It's pretty dope. He released it on the Dale Jr. download. Sad news, Mike Mittler passed away this week at the age of 67. He was a longtime owner in the truck series, gave rise to guys like Carl Edwards, Jamie McMurray, Justin Allgaier, Brad Keselowski. They all race for him. And something that those guys have in common, they're all Midwestern guys. Carl and Jamie are from Missouri. Justin's from Illinois, I believe, and Brad's from Michigan. And Clint Boyer had a tweet basically saying, if you were from the Midwest, you wish that Mike came calling because he was the guy that you wanted to race for. There was a $60 million plan that got released for Nashville Super Speedway on the fairgrounds, I should say, uh, this past week. Most notably, the seating is going to be increased from 15 to 30,000, but there's still some lingering issues in the surrounding areas with the people that live right there and Nashville SC, the MLS club, getting there. See, this is what I don't get. Why can't you work together to try to bring more positive stuff to the city? That's what I don't get. Please, just work together, would you? Bubba Wallace, he's going through a tough time right now, guys. He tweeted out a video basically saying thank you to all my fans for being with me. He's been somewhat public with his struggles. I mean, he, he straight up put on Instagram, you know, he's literally battling depression right now. Um, you know, part of that stems from his performance in the Richard Petty Motorsports 43 right now, not being up to par in his standards and a lot of it's personal as well. Um, you know, it's it's not completely public information, but I mean, there's been reports out there and it's, you know, 99.99999% confirmed that him and his longtime girlfriend, Amanda Carter, have uh, since split up. So obviously a, a tough time going right now for Bubba Wallace, but he's got a huge legion of fans behind him. And I'm telling you, man, if he were to get the fan vote this weekend at the All-Star Race, I think that would do wonders for him as a person just overall. Paul Wolf and Peter Suspenzo, who is the number 77 crew chief for Quinn Hoff. They were both fined $10,000 for one loose lug nut following Kansas. And that'll wrap things up for episode 11. Double ones, folks, of Victory Lane 2.0. Do me a favor. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. We're also on Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. I'm going to be able to watch the All-Star Race this weekend at home for the first time in a couple years, I want to say. There, there's always been something going on for me as I was gone the past couple years on All-Star Weekend. So I'm looking forward to that. If you're going to be in the Charlotte area, hit up the race. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. 
Um, enjoy yourselves. If you're not going to be there, please stay safe this weekend. Enjoy the racing. If you're not going to watch the race, I don't want to speak to you. Turn the podcast off right now. But as I end the podcast, as I always say, peace and love, my home race. Much love as always. Be good.